There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Well, it's Monday again here on the podcast, and so we've been in the house of the Lord yesterday, and we certainly are thankful for the privilege we have to assemble, the privilege to be in America. We still have that freedom to assemble openly. And what a blessing it was to be in the house of the Lord. We're thankful for the Manassas Community Baptist Church of Blaine, Pennsylvania. That is our home church. Uh, pastor Richard Black Jr. is the pastor there. And it's a blessing to be in the house of God. And so once again, uh, we didn't just go perform sacred duty. We assembled with the saints of God and invited sinners to the house of God. And we assembled ourselves according to the word of God. And God met with us and blessed us. And we certainly are thankful for that. The Sunday school hours is especially a blessing to me. And the pastor taught, preached on the Sunday school hour. He dealt with this matter of the word of God going forth, that we don't hinder the word of God, but the word of God, that river can flow through us. And what a blessing that is. And so we're thankful for the help we've received. It strengthened me to do the podcast again, strengthened me to get up and do the podcast again. And I'll be honest with those of you that do listen, it's not always easy every day to record, or some days, of course, we record two. It's hard to record three. My voice sitting here in front of this microphone can hardly take three in a row, uh, but often we record two. We don't get that far ahead, and sometimes it's a difficulty to us. And that's not. And when I say a hardship, a minor hardship, don't think I'm over here lamenting and weeping and crying and rubbing my eyes and feeling sorry for myself. It is a little bit of a hardship sometimes to get the podcast done, and he strengthened us in the matter of doing the podcast, that the Word of God could have its course, and it would have free course as it runs. And so we're certainly thankful as we preach Psalm 45, the continuance of it today. We want the Word of God to have its free course. We want the Word of God to run where it may, and that God would prick hearts where hearts needed to be pricked. It's amazing, the pastor and I were talking about how the Word of God takes effect in people's lives. Some, are they hear something different than what the preacher says, because the Holy Ghost is doing the ministrations. The Holy Ghost is ministering to them. Others hear something different than what the people preacher said, because not the Holy Ghost is ministering to them, but rather those devils are ministering to them. And so the pastor will say, you must be born again, and they'll hear it literally. I believe in their own hearing. They'll hear something like, well, you must be baptized. Or the preacher will say, you must be born of the word of God. And they'll think you must repeat a prayer. And yet the saints of God, the pastor might say those things, and the Holy Ghost will bear witness with the word of God, and he'll prick them in the heart concerning their manner of living. And so that's the marvel of preaching, the marvel of the word of God. We do pray that those things take place in the podcast. We pray the word of God will prick your heart, those of you that are saved, 
that God will minister to you and strengthen you. It'll be edifying to you, and we exhort you, lift you up to a place of a higher conduct, a higher standard. If you're lost and you're tuned into the podcast, we pray that God will minister to your needs concerning your condition. Uh, those of you that do not have the full assurance of faith, that God would minister to that in your life through the Psalms. That's why we're doing the Messianic Psalms, that folks would see Jesus Christ high and lifted up. Psalm 45 and verse 8 is where we're going to start. We won't get past this today. For the word of God says, All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia, out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. And so we see that myrrh is the first thing I want to look at just briefly here. And I want to run myrrh through the Bible. I want you to see this because we see it evidenced. And myrrh is one of those the things we see in the Word of God, no doubt it's a heavenly fragrance. It's a heavenly divine substance. We also see that. Don't be too weirded out by that, for the Word of God tells us uh, of other things that are that divine substance, that divine branch, that divine uh, uh, ointment, if you will. One of those things that we see often used is when Moses struck the doorpost and the lintel of the door, he took that hiss up and he dipped it in the blood and he struck it upon that. And then we continue to see hyssop throughout the Bible. And uh, we see it in the ministration of the blood. We see it in the cleansing of the leper in the book of Leviticus. We see it at the cross of Calvary concerning Jesus Christ. Well, myrrh is also one of those things. And we see that through the word of God. We see it to Joseph. And God, I believe, sent it as a testimony when Joseph is about to go into captivity in Genesis 37 and 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brother that they stripped Joseph of his coat. His coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. They sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked. Behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And so we see in the life of Joseph, we see that myrrh is offered up in the life of Joseph. As Joseph travels with that band of the Gileadites, we know that that fragrance no doubt could surround him. That fragrance would bear witness to him that indeed he was in the will of God, that God was going to use this for good. It was a testimony to him to have that fragrance as he traveled in Genesis 43 and verse 11. And their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this, take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels, and carry down the man a present, a little balm, and a little honey, spices, and myrrh, nuts, and almonds, and take double money in your hand, and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks, carry it again in your hand, peradventure was an oversight, take also your brother, and arise, go again unto the man, and God Almighty give you mercy before the man." that he may send away your other brother in Benjamin. If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. And so we know that Israel now had witness of God, and he knew to send that man amongst the gifts. We see again mentioned is myrrh. And we see that in the life of Joseph. We see that as a testimony of the good things of God. We see that as a testimony that Jacob had, that myrrh was of the goodness of the land of Israel. But then we see in Exodus chapter 30, and verse 23 and verse 24, the word of God says this, Take thou also to the principal spices of pure myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet cinnamon half so much, even 250 shekels, and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels, and of cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and of oil, olive, and hen, and thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound after the art of the apothecary, it shall be an holy anointing oil. 
Now, we understand the tabernacle in the wilderness was a shadow of the tabernacle on high. It's a shadow of what God had done, the tabernacle in heaven. And so we see that according to the word of God. For the word of God said in Hebrews 9, 24, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now I had said it was a shadow earlier, but it's the figure of the true. That's the word I should have used, a biblical term. These are figures of the true. And so we see that the tabernacle on earth is a figure of the true tabernacle, which is in heaven. And as Moses is anointed with this sweet ointment, this holy anointing oil, and goes and ministers before the altar of God, before the mercy seat of God, so also our heavenly high priest also would have that same ointment. The Word of God tells us that. Moses is just a figure of of the heavenly. He's a figure of that which was. And so we thank the Lord. We see myrrh now in the presence of the divine presence of God. In Esther chapter 2 and verse 12, and now when every maid's turn was come to go into King Ahasuerus, after this she'd been 12 months, according to the manner of the women, for so were the days of their purifications accomplished to wit six months with oil of myrrh and six months with sweet odors and with other things for the purifying of the women. And so we see Esther is purified, and one of the things they purified her was that precious myrrh. It was that thing that was made as an offering to God, and yet she came before King Ahasuerus bearing that myrrh. It was for her and for the other maids cleansing that they might stand before the king. Now, Song of Solomon says much about that myrrh, but it's important to understand that. And I'm not just trying to beleaguer this to, for, the, for the sake of beleaguering it, but there's a point I'd like to make here. In Song of Solomon 1 and verse 13, a bundle of myrrh is my well-beloved unto me. He shall lie all night betwixt my breast. My beloved is unto me as a cluster of campfire in the vineyards of En Gedi. We see in Song of Solomon 3 then and verse 6. He said, who is this that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all powders of the merchant? And so he's perfumed with myrrh. He's perfumed with frankincense. And by the way, that's not the first or the last time we'll see myrrh and frankincense in the word of God. Song of Solomon 4 and 4, thy neck is like the Tower of David, built for an armory, whereon there hangeth thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. Thy two breasts are like rows. And then he said this of the word of God. He said that, that feed, which feed among the lilies. Under the daybreak and the shadows flee away, I will get me to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. Thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. So it goes back again to we see myrrh is one of those heavenly things on earth. It's one of those things God explicitly mentions it. We saw it in the life of Joseph. We saw it in the life of Esther. Now we see this in the book of the Song of Solomon. In Song of Solomon 5 and 1, I am come into my garden, my sister, my spouse. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, O friends, drink, ye, uh, yea, drink abundantly, O beloved. In verse 5, we see it says, I rose up to open to my beloved, and my hands dropped with myrrh, and my fingers with sweet-smelling myrrh. 
upon the handles of the lock. We see in verse 13 of chapter 5, his cheeks are as a bed of spices, as sweet flowers, as lips like lilies, dropping sweet-smelling myrrh. So again, we see myrrh is mentioned throughout the Word of God. We see that it's a heavenly fragrance. But let's go to the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 2. And I want you to look at this with me because it's a reminder, again, of those heavenly things on earth, the presence of God, if you will. And we see in Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to start reading in verse 11. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so we see the gifts offered to Jesus Christ. Even as a baby, the gifts offered to him, one of those gifts contained myrrh. Why? Because it's of the land of Israel. It's from the place of Gilead. It's from the place of his birth. And we also, also see that myrrh is also in heaven. We see that according to the picture that we see on earth in the tabernacle, that holy anointing oil. And that, that tabernacle on earth is anointed with that myrrh amongst the other holy anointing oil. And it is a separation between God and man. That altar of God is holy. Uh, that holy place in the heart of that tabernacle is a place where God meets with Moses, where God meets with that great high priest, that God meets with his children, if you will. And it's in that holy place that smells of myrrh that God demands the blood sacrifice, that God demands an offering for sin in that holy place. Mark 15 and verse 23, and they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. And I thought it was interesting, but the famed Jordan many, many years ago, uh, down in Maryland, was preaching. He preached on Calvary. He talked about that myrrh. And he said it was just as that, that vinegar is offered to Jesus Christ mingled with myrrh, the, the, the bitterness of the vinegar, the gall of the vinegar. But then in the midst of that, that heavenly aroma, that fragrant aroma, that aroma he smelled when he came out of the ivory palaces, that aroma of myrrh, that reminder that his father in heaven is overwatching, that reminder of his father in heaven, he's done the will of his father. He's come to lay down his life. That heavenly reminder to Jesus Christ is that myrrh is presented to him. In John 19 and in verse 39, Again, we see in the crucifixion, the word of God said, and they came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. And they took that body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden in the garden, a new sepulcher, where it was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. And so again, we see the anointing of Jesus Christ. We see his anointing with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. How is he anointed? He's anointed at his birth, gold and frankincense and myrrh, the deity in the gold, the fragrance of myrrh, the fragrance of frankincense, that divine holiness of God at the birth of Jesus Christ. Then we see at the death of Jesus Christ, the offering of his body on the cross. We see as he's put upon that cross and crucified, the fragrance of myrrh has wafted around him, a smell well-pleasing unto the Lord. We see at the burial of Jesus Christ, that reminder again that Jesus Christ is God in flesh. 
And he's laid down that tomb, the aroma of myrrh, the fragrance of myrrh. Out of those ivory palaces came that sweet aroma, that precious fragrance. We see the aloes also there, and there in, in, in the book of John. We see cassia again, in, in not only in that heavenly ointment that God has offered up in, in Exodus and offered to Moses, the ability to make that ointment, the recipe, if you will, for that ointment. But we also see it in the word of God. We see cassia again in Ezekiel chapter 27 and verse 19, when he said on this wise, Dan also and Javon going to and fro, occupied in thy fairs, bright iron, cassia, and calamus were in thy market. And so each of these is mentioned in the word of God. And we see the preciousness of the word of God. We see the preciousness of that myrrh. We see that out of those ivory palaces uh, came the word of God. And that was the person of Jesus Christ. And so again, I want to close with a hymn today. And I want to read the lyrics of one Henry Barraclaw. Written in 1915, according to historians, according to history. And we listen to this song so often. We sing this song in our church. But I just want to read the lyrics as it's just a reminder in closing of Psalm 45 in verse 8. The myrrh, the frankincense, the cassia, his garments dipped in such, the anointing of God upon him, the oil of gladness above his fellows. And yet he came out of the ivory palaces for you and for I, and laid down his life for us. He said, my Lord has garments so wondrous fine, and myrrh their texture fills. Its fragrance reached to this heart of mine, with joy, my being thrills. And can I say, I remember the day when the fragrance of that precious myrrh, the fragrance of the Lord Jesus Christ came to where I was. He was seeking me. And there, as I began to sense the wafting of the aroma, the holiness of God, God began to stir in my heart about my lost condition. That oil of gladness reached me through my nostrils, that sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. In verse 2, he said, His life had also its sorrow sore, for aloes had a part, and when I think of the cross he bore, my eyes with teardrops start. His garments, too, were in cassia dipped, with healing in a touch. In paths of sin my feet e'er slipped, and he saved me from its clutch. In garments glorious he will come to open wide the door, and I shall enter my heavenly home to dwell forevermore. The chorus reads like this, out of the ivory palaces, into a world of woe, only his great eternal love made my Savior go. There's a lost soul who's tired of his sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord, as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. 
Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption all night. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.